Welcome to this very special episode of Bear and a Banjo. This is the making of the podcast podcast. This is uh, a conversation with my collaborators, Dennis Quaid, who you all know from his amazing film, uh, TV, and music career, as well as my music collaborator, Pooh Bear. Uh, and in case you don't know him, he's worked on some of the biggest songs of all time, including all the songs off Justin Bieber's Purpose, Where Are You Now, What Do You Mean? His Desposito remix was a global smash. His uh, 10,000 Hours is currently the top country song in the nation, and he worked with Ed Sheeran and Bieber on the last song that they did called I Don't Care. But more uh, to the point, he created this amazing uh, Americana music f- with me uh, for this project, and I really wanted to bring people inside how we got from an extremely interesting but uh, somewhat esoteric idea all the way from it just being a concept album to being what is Bear and a Banjo. We start the conversation in my Airstream with Dennis Quaid, and then we go across town to Black Star Studios where Pooh Bear works out of for us to complete the conversation and talk about the music piece. Uh, I hope you all enjoy, and we really, really appreciate the audience that is following us on this journey. Thank you so much, and here's our Behind the Podcast podcast on Bear and a Banjo. You're right, I she's gone. That's that's kind of how our uh, our actual friendship started through music. That's a weird way into this podcast, but that is oh, how we that's how we met. How T Bone over T Bone's house about two years ago. Yeah, I get a call. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm drunk on my couch, and he goes, "Hey, do you, anytime T Bone goes to you, hey, do you want to meet somebody?" You always say yes because you don't know who it's going to be. It's either yeah, going to be you, that's true, or Elvis Costello, or Elton John, or Nick Pizzolatto, but. That's how we met. I came over and I was like, oh, I know who that is. It's Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let Zach set this up because that's, well, that's, that's an a good excellent way, way to set yeah. this up. Yeah. And uh, I do want to say who you were just hearing right there was Dennis Quaid on the guitar and vocals. Jingle Jared Gutstadt chiming in with the story. The T-Bone Burnett story, of course, who plays a big role in the podcast we're about to talk about. Uh, so I just, let me just welcome you right now to a very special Beyond the Podcast of Sorts. My name is Zach Selwyn, and I was uh, very lucky to play multiple roles in this show, Bear and a Banjo, which is a hit musical podcast, I believe you can call it at this point. It is climbing the charts, and uh, I'm lucky to be joined right now by lead actor uh, Dennis Quaid, one of the stars of the show. Uh, and executive well, producer. As well as an executive producer, as well as... Uh, the creator, I? and yeah, I think you are. My you titles, are. Right. you're an exact one of them. You have a lot on this, uh, as does Jared Gutstad, who's uh, also here with me, who's the creator, musical man. You're you're a musical man. That's one of your things, musical man, <laughs> musical director. I would say with uh, Pooh Bear, your partner, who we're also going to be and talking very to magical a man, bit. actually, because I uh, Baron Banjo would not exist if it were not for Jingle Jared. It's been the craziest experience of my life, but I mean. Uh, just uh, meeting all the people surrounding this thing is uh, has led to us doing something just totally different in the world of storytelling. And I guess that's what we're doing today. We're telling people a little bit about this very complicated story of music, storytelling, history, facts, made up facts. <laughs> and the rest uh, of it, you know. Well, we're all making we're just making it up as we go along. This mm-hmm. is a podcast. I had never listened to a podcast myself, being 65 years old. Sure. But podcasts are really growing. But uh, we met uh, 
Jared and I over at T-Bone's house. He wanted to get us together because he thought there was something there and had to do with music. And um, he was doing this podcast with Bone and Dylan and started Pooh Bear. the record before even that. Like when we met, you I, it was just a record. And you had just finished the record, yeah, right? Is that true? Time is so strange because yeah. we met and then a year to the day, we were on the phone and I said, hey, do you want to fly with me to Las Vegas? Because I just, two things had happened. I'd finished the record, didn't know what to do with it. And there were these eight songs that Pooh Bear and I did with uh, T-Bone and one song that we collaborated with Dylan. And that's I, Bob, that's well, Bob, how'd you Bob get the Dylan. Idea, how'd you Dylan, get the, the idea way. to release a record as a podcast, so which is a first. Right? I was sitting on my couch a year after we met. It was one Christmas. Then the next year, I'm sitting here and Buster Scruggs is on TV. And I get a text from someone who works in my company. And they go, hey, one of our biggest clients, iHeart, just bought a podcast network. And as I'm having my second martini, I go, oh, shit. I wrote a <laughs> podcast musical. Uh-huh. I call you and I'm like, what are you doing in January? We're going to Vegas. And you're like, for what? I was like, we're going to pitch a podcast. Yeah, I remember I was on the 405 when you actually called me Now, about when you that. first hear that, are you going, what? first of all, what the hell is a podcast? Secondly... Well, between the time I had met him and uh, then, I kind of knew what they were. Okay. But all I really... The closest I came was what I uh, used to hear on the radio out here, which were old radio plays replayed on KNX 1070. And yeah, they're fun to listen to. That's uh, But I also thought, I thought podcasts maybe were just interviews with right. people or they, they were sort of just a way for people who had blogs to just get on and just talk about themselves or whatever they were interested in. Like what Endlessly. we're doing here right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's in, what's interesting, and you sort of touched on it a second ago, is that this is a one-of-a-kind show. I mean, I, people are saying in the press everywhere you read that this is the world's first musical, dramatic, fictional podcast. Yes. Which is cool. You've created your own sort of niche here, which is... Using, oh. using a podcast to release and promote a record. Yeah. What a great idea. I mean, what I did think of when... Uh, we were forming this idea was Redheaded Stranger, Willie Nelson's album, oh, yeah. um, which has a continuous theme through it. And you know that was back in the days when we all would read the liner notes and we'd we'd hold that record, you know, the vinyl and usually a sleeve inside and read all about it, who had done it, and sometimes it was like a, a podcast on print the way they would come up thematically to release uh on the sleeve of the record you know to put one on you a uh, case in point the beatles i buried paul but right, i would right, live right. with i would dead. live in the music like i listened to tommy this morning and if tommy was out now because of mm-hmm. the way the record business is it would be because i guess people gave the audience a little bit more credit with the music back in the day where the music would speak for itself and you'd mm-hmm. sort of, you know, through the press, they'd say, oh, this is about, you know, a person and, you know, it's the pinball wizard and this person can't see and can't talk and can't hear. Right. But nowadays, we're in a very noisy world where every there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's NBC, there's CBS, there's five Dennis Quaid movies a year. <laughs> All of them crushing at the box office. Six. Six. And a TV show. Yeah. and but, At but least that's the hype. When we got into the podcast conversation, I looked at everything that was out there and I saw, you know, I love, 
and this is a, a shout out to Malcolm Gladwell. I love what Malcolm Gladwell does. I love what NPR does. I love what New York Times, The Daily, and I'm probably promoting things that are off the iHeart Network <laughs> by accident. But I said the one thing that no one has done yet is used music in an audio format. So when you and I went to, this is the best thing, is that Dennis, everyone thinks, you know, Hollywood's a place where people call agents and managers, and it actually is a fairly right. big, it's, it's actually a fairly accessible place if you just do it the right way. And I call him and I go, we're going to Vegas, we're going to pitch an idea. And Dennis, uh, I was like, I want to do this with you. I, I don't want you to, like, be talented, and I want to make it with you. And we went there, and he goes, we fly out. Went to Las Vegas. Yeah, and we have this went great... Went to Las Vegas. And, and he's like, what's it about? I was like, let's just have... You were doing night. an iHeart event. Yeah, we were, and we were out there for CS. Yeah. And uh, he goes, do you know what it's about yet? I was like, well, it's sort of like Coen Brothers, and it's also like, you know, Lomax, and it's... And we, it, we do... I, the, all I knew that it was a history, an, history of music... Uh, and you know, when those guys spread out from New York with their mobile recording mm -hmm. devices and, uh, recorded the Carter family and, you know, Jimmy Rogers and all those people that were early part of radio because radio was new. And, uh, so I thought in my head that, that it was going to be about what if the Lomaxes in the recording machine had passed by the Carter family farm, say 50 miles and recorded someone else instead. And the Carters had missed it. What would music be like nowadays? Mm -hmm. It might be different. Yeah. And that truthfully by him saying that in the room, like, so that sold we, it right there. Well, we go the night before we had this amazing, awesome dinner with all these executives and everyone's like, Oh, we're in town. We're pitching a podcast. It sounds like something that you say when you're in a media event. And then the right. next day on the way up the elevator, I'm like, Oh shit, I don't actually know what <laughs> you don't have, doing. actually have a pitch. And I'm killing time before Dennis gets there. And he gave me a chance to warm up the room to be like, it's going to be about 30 minutes each. Oh, I was late. And we I have some music and we play. Cause I thought it was in the same hotel. Yeah. Turns out, it wasn't <laughs> it was the, like an hotel Circus. where i had to take a taxi yeah, yeah. and go across go across the freeway and, the and then they one, let yeah. me off at the wrong entrance and i couldn't find the place <laughs> and so by this time in this hour meeting that he's got he's got eight minutes left and he's been vamping the entire there's time. a one beat of sweat he's like, you guys want to hear forming. the pawns? you want to hear the pawn stars theme again yeah there's <laughs> one beat of sweat forming on my forehead and then dennis walks in and goes dennis quaid is here <laughs> nice. and then everyone forgets the fact that we're in a pitch they're all very excited i said dennis quaid is late is late oh, okay. but they me. loved dennis you know, quaid is late his we all love music and at the end of the day we knew that it was just to in caveman speak we knew that it was about music yes fun foundationally yeah. about, we knew that we wanted to do something like elevated liner notes and connell god bless him helped us connell. and then yeah at, from my connell heart he goes i get it it's liner notes brought to life it's an album you have that it's red then you strange. have to write the thing and yes. he goes find and, me a writer and then I Connell, knew... Connell had a furrowed brow of yeah. interest. Yes. And then we leave. <laughs> My favorite part is Dennis's flight is like Vegas is weird. Everyone gets their flight with one minute left. But Dennis <laughs> is like, oh, shit, what time is it? I'm like, it's uh... one thirty. He goes, My flight's at two. <laughs> yeah. So we go down and he goes, your pitch was flimsy. I think they bought it, though. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold... But well, here's, I, I was a, a question yeah. for you just about the podcast in general. You mentioned well, I mean, you, people who are now expecting to yeah. hear. If you haven't listened to Baron Banjo, download it now. Listen to the entire season, whatever's available. Up, just get 
caught up here, people. But it turns out that the question actually is, was kind of the story. It was. <laughs> that was it. But if people are looking to listen to a typical musical episode, like you know what you might see on you know Broadway or in a Crazy Ex Girlfriend, that's not what you're going to get here. It's like the music is more of like an Easter egg to the actual story. The story being about the music. We're right? trying to secretly right. teach people about musical history. I have. I, it's weird because as dumb as I am, I do love long form entertainment and learning about secret history. So Ken Burns doc, which wasn't even out at the time that we started. Right, right. This is almost like when you look at one of those Ken Burns photos and you keep pulling back and all of a sudden Baron Banjo are there. Yeah. yeah. Like, Who are those guys? Yeah, like Zellig. Why are those two guys there? Like in Zellig right. with Woody Allen. Yeah. And we oh, sort right. of had a hunch. And then the strangest thing happened, which we go to South by Southwest and Connell, who's really, really smart, and Gail, who's really, really smart, goes, why don't you and Dennis and Pooh Bear come to South by, open for Tim McGraw, Talk about it again the way you did in the room with Dennis talking. Pooh and I play a few songs, and it was like this P.T. Barnum moment where it felt like we were Baron Banjo. Yes, and well, Dr. you K- were Baron Banjo, and he's got this like the jacket, he's got the whole this suit. jacket suit. Oh, I mean, the Toriador outfit, it's from head to toe in purple. And I pre spent the money, and, yeah. Well, and, you guys have a, bu- a budget. I've never known what it is. <laughs> I figure well, out what exactly. is the point where we can go hit the stopwatch and go, okay, that's it. Money is stopped spending. But the craziest thing about that all, like just thinking about how surreal it was uh, at that moment at South by, we opened for Tim McGraw, who's one of the biggest country stars in the world. And even Tim afterwards was like, what was that? What like, was that? Wow, cool. What is that? I will and, let you know. We yeah, figure, we don't know. Right. And, and Pooh Bear is so humble. He shows And I love the moment before we go on stage because everyone's so cool. You know, Dennis is like lives in the moment. So it's always 10 minutes before we go on stage where I'm starting to like actually feel the nerves. that he's like, what are we doing here? remind me what is this and i say dennis we're pitching again but this time to brands and poober then goes with me what are we which project what are we doing here (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't really give me a chance to really get nervous about things because then it it really is like a circus we've run this thing like a media circus like it's a new form it's a new art form i think is there an ultimate goal for the podcast as a show is it a television thing is it a tour what do you guys well i think it should be i think it should be unto itself and from that can come things uh i think uh like television shows if the story is of enough interest and it has an audience so many movies that are made into tv series here's one for not a podcast made into it and and hey guess what became a movie redheaded stranger yeah and you know? so did Tommy. I think they had a weird. Tommy was yeah, film. yeah, sure. Yeah. Sergeant Peppers had a really bad with Jack one. Jack Nicholson with, singing. Right. Yes, and Elton John oh, did yeah. a kick-ass version of Pinball Wizard. Yeah, that's actually my favorite version. Yeah. No kidding, that was. But, um, Encino Man was a, a, who, a who album. <laughs> Am I wrong? Oh, He's in the juice. <laughs> who uh, wrote me these notes? I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, the Encino Man reference. You got I love in it there. how we've gotten and we get every to go. Every I feel like we should go from Polly Shore to the Bob Dylan of it all. I would love to talk about my man Bob Dylan. Segue, because the Uh, funny thing is that that to me, like we always gloss, we even glossed over this at South by it every now and then someone's like, oh yeah, and Bob Dylan's involved. I would like to talk about that as well. I've known Jared about almost 10 years now, I think. And for Bob Dylan's been, you know, him, your two heroes, him and Weird Al, which Mm -hmm. is a bizarre but beautiful thing about Paul McCartney. And of course, Paul McCartney. In Branson, Missouri, by the way. 
yeah. <laughs> and they all oh. are. It's a good theater town. Okay. No uh, you know, I I just want to know. My, I guess first of all, you got to work with your hero. How did that come about? And can you just sort of break down what the song oh, is that he like, wrote as fast as you can? How much time do we have? Because right. It is, Dennis right. and I had this amazing philosophical conversation last week, and I'm not going to get too deep into it, but. I, all I will say is that, and I'll give you my philosophical answer, and then I'll give you my literal one, is Dylan lives in service of the universe. He's not actually, you know, there's people who've played in bands with him. There's T-Bone, uh, who's, you know, produced our music. And you can you can work with this person. You may never meet him. You may never talk to him. You may never, and, and you're like, is it shtick? Is this some sort of idea to, like, psych people out? And I think in the Rolling Thunder review... One of the guitarists was interviewed, and they were like, "What was it like, you know, for the time you were with him?" He's like, "I never met him." Like, wow. Well, all right. of that, all of that has been true for Dylan throughout his career. The the mystique of that he brings with things. It's a full commitment to your life in service of the universe because there are people that are mysterious that exist in different time scapes than you, where they can disappear for ten years, show up for five, disappear for ten again, like. In, in a weird way, every now and then, I, I always say this, even with Pooh Bear, sometimes there's like, in a lifetime, there's a few artists that are the beacon of all ideas of the universe, whether it was the Beatles, Dylan, and you can laugh, but Pooh Bear with with Bieber, Bieber has is the only artist in the world that has like billions of streams off multiple songs. You don't need to like his music, but clearly billions sure of people do. And and, done. and you just and your life looks different because of how many people digest what you're doing. And Dylan has been doing that now for holy shit since the what was it the early '60s? Yeah, since what '61, two, three. And we just saw him last yeah. weekend killing it on stage at '78. Yeah, yeah, and that was something. But the weird thing was, it was like dealing with some secret organization like i don't want to huh. say too much because i just right. don't want to like uh, he his whole thing is obfuscation so hey t-bone i want to in this project it would be really cool if we took a basement tape song and Pooh bear the biggest top line writer of our time and i the biggest jingle guy writer whatever <laughs> i said throw myself in the history but i just you gotta ask or you don't get so uh, t-bone goes hey man that's cool i'll ask yeah. Nothing for for wow, a year. Right. A year later, hey man, what happened with the Dylan thing? A year later, I'm in Nashville. I'm at a bar and I meet this guy John Ingrassa. Oh, uh, who are you? I'm Jingle Jared. Oh yeah, I've heard of you're working with uh, T Bone. He's my client. And he goes, What's going on with that project? I was like, Well, we're gonna wrap it up soon. But I've been trying to get to this like Dylan lyric thing where we do like a basement tape thing. And he goes, Oh yeah, I used to work over at Sony. Let me see if I can talk to his manager through some bizarre back channeling i'm at my cottage in canada and i get a phone call from him and dylan's manager and they go we google jingle punks we think it's really interesting but we have questions about <laughs> Pooh bear the most established writer right. in the world they go what is what do you mean and where are you now and, I, and, I and why do they have billions of streams yeah and yeah. i said i said Pooh bear writes songs that are questions what do you mean where are you now <laughs> they, they that's his thing and they go and he goes okay we'll call you back they speak apparently speak to bob dylan who had by the way no problem with jingle punks or jingle but Jared. pooh bear was his question and we source, and then yeah. they call back and they go he's gonna send you an email right now i get the lyrics and a week later and pooh bear should tell the story because wow. pooh bear is unmoved by a lot of things just because he's 
you know, like you, he's, he's seen yeah. it. He's done. I, I am the tourist in this whole project. I've never been in a blockbuster movie. I've never been in a, had a hit song. I've created a jingle company. And when that thing sort of came into focus, I put the lyric sheet on uh, Pooh Bear's uh, desk right in front of him. He goes, oh, Bob Dylan wrote this. I was like, yeah, he goes, cool. 20 minutes later, the song's done. I was like, that's it. He goes, yeah, we're done. And then I had to send it back to T-Bone. Who had to send it back there. And then they're like, this is great. Produce it. Now, what's the song called? That one is Gone But Not Forgotten. And that is the going to be the final episode of the season. Uh, Gone But Not Forgotten. And that script is a badass script with uh, Tom Piazza wrote it for Dennis and a leading lady. And you did that with Rosanna, Rosanna Arquette. Am I in that one? No, no. God damn it. <laughs> That's all right. Don't I still technically work with insane. Dylan. Um, there's a book component coming out to bear in a banjo. Jared, is that something that I keep surprising Dennis? Yeah. Yes. Once again, bro, once you had again. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Here How does go. this work? So <laughs> I, this is, I, I am, I'm all in on the audio universe. Here's what I want to do. I want you and I to have a concept and I want to write it like this. And then I want to transcribe the book based on a m- multiple hour conversation. I have a, an idea of where it goes after season one. And, uh, you know, Baron Banjo could show up anywhere. They could show up in Seattle at the dawn of grunge. They could show show up up at Studio 54. They could show up at Studio 54. And that I'd love to write some new stories with you about that, because I feel like every press thing we've done so far, people are just strangely comparing it also to Quantum Leap, where they just like jump from time to time without explaining it. Now that we've proved that they actually existed, Mm -hmm. now we can really tell. tell. Reggae, 77 in Jamaica. Uh, Yes. NWA. Hate Ashbury, NWA, anything. (laughs) Montego Bayman. But it's a great way to educate people, I think, about music. I love music history, and I look forward to the day that Ken Burns does the... uh, the 19 hour <laughs> documentary on mumble rap. <laughs> be... <laughs> We're getting there, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get there. <laughs> Juice world was a talented young man. From... <laughs> so a lot to look forward to in the Baron banjo universe. Great. You got to try idea. this. What are we drinking here? By the way, I'm having Japanese whiskey. I, I was having That's... a glass of red wine, but Dennis brought us his little something from uh, Nashville. Is it? That's actually shine. We're wow. drinking moonshine, yeah. people. Out of the jar here. Oh, my Lord. The Golden mason Harvest, jar. a mason jar. I mean, this is the real shit. Excuse me. This is the real stuff it, right here. The, re- <laughs> the real shine. It's definitely sipping. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It warms the whole body. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Very uh, nice. Can I ask you a question, Dennis? I know you have a vast musical background. Growing up, watching you you know, playing the killer, incredible performance. You play in a band. The Sharks, yes, and uh, you've been around music. I mean, you were strumming earlier. How did your musicianship help you? Like, kind of, I guess T Bone introduced you guys because you guys have a mutual love mm-hmm. for certain types of music. But for Doctor Q's character, was there like a little bit about your past or your love of this music that really attracted you to the character? Well, I grew up in Texas, uh, in Houston, which is very much Texas, and kind of also. Western Louisiana right. in a while. There's a kind of a real gumbo of music that you down there. And my dad was also really into Frank Sinatra and, and Dean Martin. And and so I had a, a very kind of wide 
musical range uh, growing up that was in my house or on the radio. And uh, music has always been a part of my life. And, but uh, acting came along, and that was the path that opened up to me. But music has always been a part of even my acting career. In, in many ways, I've sold songs to movies. Mm -hmm. I was uh, done musical movies, and I mean, just have fun with it. It's, the, know, it's something that burns in me. Great balls of fire. The footage that you showed me with you and Cowboy Jack Clement, and like getting taught by Jerry Lee Lewis. I yeah. mean, that's one of those. That's, crazy. Crazy. that's one of those lucky life uh, experiences. I mean, I'd love yeah, to get guitar Jerry lessons. Be your piano <laughs> I was going to say, I'd love for <laughs> Elvis to teach me guitar or Johnny yeah, right. Cash. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like a master class online yeah, now. You know? he Charlie's a chocolate factory moment. Yeah. Dude, you've had the most fascinating <laughs> existence. You know, the people you've met. And sometimes, you're you, again, with Dr. Q and you in real life, that's kind of the inspiration for it you tell me things and i pretend and i nod and i go oh, i know about that and then i go home and i google it because i don't want to seem like i don't know what i'm talking about and then i'm like oh my god i didn't know that cowboy jack clement did this and i didn't know that the carter cash family oh i didn't know that you know tanya tucker i didn't know any of these things and or jerry lee your connection to american music is so deep the fact that like loretta lynn this year at the the uh, you know the Ryman when they did that big tribute, you were up there with American history. Well, th that was well, like one of those zealot moments because you know I didn't belong there. They just motioned for me to come over. <laughs> next thing you know, I'm sitting next to little Loretta Lynn. But you lived across just, both oh, worlds. Oh God, I was just uh, adored all my life and idolized, and you know, just just it's the lucky life. Love it. They say what's like the secret. Bandit. But I never played. I never played piano when I got to Great Balls of Fire. I, I I didn't play piano. I played guitar. But I had a year to to learn it, and Your I sat at a piano for twelve hours a day, wow. learning. And and Jerry Lee was one of my teachers. He would like really slow down the licks, kind of, and then also just being around him a lot. Wow, you know, and I just worked on the left hand. That's all it is. It's an right. athletic move. Uh, really, right. Dennis's. Uh, passion for not only music but also the intensity of anything he's into at the moment uh him committing to it 100 percent, he would reset by playing a bunch of uh these songs on the piano and i would be like oh dennis is here and, <laughs> and i was thinking to myself man i worked a six-hour day and i'm exhausted <laughs> and i'm exhausted uh, i'm like uh, i'm the, uh, i'm brentwood tired <laughs> and, brentwood tired and that you would no, that's a tv show uh, and then do, tired. and i was like I, I bet you and i thought to myself before i knew him well i was like i bet you he'll just do he'll read and he'll just be like oh, we're, we're done but he perf like every take he would read it and then he would do i always know when you're ready to really do it because you'll read it you'll read it again and you'll be like all right we're going yeah, back. Yeah, now we're going back. And he right. wants, and he it, that's the cool thing about podcasting is that look, it's not supposed to be an actor format. It's really supposed to be a talk format, but you also don't have to do a ton of the prep as an actor cuz in the room you're adapting and the coolest thing was the final episode with Rosanna that live two-person read. Yeah, and it's also people don't see you. It's radio. So you create a character through your voice and right. you um it feels very improvisational as, as you're going along, and uh, the audience uses its imagination, which is that a, is the beauty of podcasts. That's a, yeah, you it's create beautiful. a visual, a soundscape yeah. through the music and the words, and then you have a visual that you're driving around wherever you listen to your podcast on the train, you know, if you're in New York or whatever. Suddenly, you're transported to that 
Yeah, that world. and creating it's stories. Been the most to me the most exciting projects I've ever been part of, and just so everyone has some context for the, my six hour Brentwood day, I actually woke up in San Francisco this morning because I was meeting with our label Empire, who's putting out the soundtrack. We came back here, uh, did this with Dennis, and now we're going to go talk to Pooh Bear about the music down in uh, Studio City. But uh, this is amazing, Dennis. Thank it you has so been much. Great. Thank you for opening. This has been a up, great uh, ride. Yeah, absolutely. Really great ride. So look for Bear and Banjo, the Lunchbox, Bear and Banjo, the Musical, Bear and Banjo, <laughs> the Prophylactic. What else are we doing? The Flame Flow. Well, I've, I've got my Bear and Banjo keychain right here. There we go. Yeah. You guys it's got, got keychains? It's got one of those zip ties that, you know, oh, comes like a out. a janitor keychain. Yeah, I can never lose this thing. <laughs> Thank hey, you, Dennis. Hey, welcome to part two of the special behind the podcast of Bear and a Banjo. I'm Zach Selwyn. I am now in a studio owned by Pooh Bear. Black Star. Thank you, Black Star. It's my second time here, the first time you didn't notice. I just kind of snuck in, but then I left. I was kicked out, really. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Uh, Jingle Jared's with me as well. You guys are the musical forces behind the Bear and Banjo podcast, which is doing exceptionally well right now. You guys are ahead of Fish. The White Stripes. You're hanging around with Dolly Parton. I mean, you guys are in that in that echelon <laughs> bad, of musical podcasts. Not bad for a fake band. Not bad for a fake band. And I want to start with you, Pooh Bear. How'd you guys first meet? You and Jared. Oh man, I met Jared at a bar. Um, Mr. Nice Guy. And um, strange enough, there were um, it was it was alcohol involved and. Sure. Actually, it seemed it still Justin Bieber kind of introduced me introduced us and his it was crazy because i really wanted to get into i wanted to write jingles for television you know so we exchanged numbers and unlike music industry um people we actually like reached out to each other the next day and i think we like even the next day we got together we got together and there was a project it was a project that's what really started it it really was crazy because you know, I t- to paraphrase what he was saying, I was hammered, <laughs> and I met B. I don't know Bieber at all. I he wouldn't know me, but I met him in that one moment, and, and I was like, "Oh, I'm the king of jingles," uh. <laughs> and he was like, "That's I make music too." I was like, "Shh, shh, shh," <laughs> but I'm the king of jingles, <laughs> and he's like, "You gotta be my friend, Pooh Bear. He's the best writer in the world." And the next day, it was one of those things where. I, Back in my drinking days, not like the way I am now, but when I would stay out till like <laughs> five in the morning, I Googled poo in the morning and I was like, oh my goodness, that's like a real guy. Like he really makes big, big songs. No. So we got together and History Channel was in the middle of this thing for Roots, the miniseries, and Krista shows up at the office, meets Pooh Bear and I, and she, to this day, she goes, Jared, you were 0% chance getting to do the music for Roots the miniseries, but I'd already done Pawn Stars and and all these other things. She's like... Zero percent. Zero. Like, there's no chance. And Pooh came by, and I, I was just like, oh, I really hope, you know, she digs Pooh. And it was magical because, you know, it's that weird moment between when someone says, we might do the job and, hey, send us the music. Yeah. And I picked up a banjo instead of a guitar, and you were like... I remember I did, like, the... Uh, Born this way, dun, 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 and you oh do that, and yeah. then we got together the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm so naive and stupid because I didn't realize that 
now that I've worked with you a lot, I realize how frightening it is to be your engineer and <laughs> all these other things. And we recorded this song at my desk, but that was, it turned into one song and then they loved it. And then they, I called you back and I remember they said they want two and they want to shoot a music video. And that's what is, that's when it got weird. And it was so like, it started off. Yeah. It started off with the roots mini series. Yeah. After you guys initially got together creatively how long after that and the success of that did Bear and a Banjo come together and you guys collaborating on songs for what became a record and now a podcast? I think things really started to go when around the time you were doing the Red Bull doc. Because yeah. you were, you, he put me into the storyline of all the, he was working with huge people like Jay Valvin and Robin and, and Bieber. And he shows up at my office one day with cameras, which is a very Jingle Jared thing to do. <laughs> Not a Pooh Bear thing to do. Because I'm the guy that shows up with like five cameras. I was like, no big deal. We're just, it's like in Along Came Polly. We're doing the behind the music on Jingle Jared. But your thing was really real. And then. A few months later, it's so strange since I've known Pooh Bear because the most amazing things have happened. I show up uh, a few months later at a premiere, and there's a real movie that I'm really in alongside some like real people. Alongside <laughs> <laughs> some real people, that's so funny. And I'm not usually in stuff like that. And then things started to really fast forward, and we did Steven Tyler, G Easy wow, okay. for UFC, and then. We almost became like a fake band that well, was we like were a fake making, business. Well, that's what we were doing. We were like, we were this fake band, like how people have fantasy football league. Yeah. We had a fantasy band. And it's like, for me, like, I always wanted to be able to sing music, you know, in this lane, in, in the Americana genre. And it was like, wow, here's my chance to really be able to to um, escape my, my everyday yeah. norm. And... It really turned into us doing songs for these artists. We were like basically just doing records, fake songs for Baron Banjo. That was like this sound, and we were able to, you know, place those songs on, you know, for those big campaigns. And in doing so, we were creating this this sound for ourselves, this fake sound, <laughs> and it just turned into an actual album because we like we got we kind of were like yo let's just make a song every Saturday and so we do like a real song and yeah. then on the way out I was like hey do you want to say like twenty more minutes and like yeah, do check a, out like Bear this banjo song and mm -hmm. he would just sing on it and then I felt like I'm a music industry nerd I like reading about Alan Lomax and you know the Bristol sessions and I met around the same time I met Pooh Bear I met T Bone in the same way that I met Pooh I was just hammered at uh uh, the the Sunset Towers and I said oh I love her brother out there you're so cool I wanted to be your brother he goes oh if you ever anything anything that's interesting that's in the Americana space send it my way I sent him uh, Born This Way the first song we did and he goes you guys should do a full record so I would just send him scraps of like a minute and a half of pure vocal awesomeness that Pooh would do on top of blues guitar and you know I was like is this enough to make a full song is this like is it, you know, and he would just arrange it in a way where there was no additional vocals needed. We would take the Airstream vocals where we'd recorded my tin can where you were doing the bullet mic and the little, yeah. you know, singing through an amp. I missed the bullet mic. We're going to bring that back for the Please, tour. Yo, I don't want to do this. If we don't have the bullet mic back, <laughs> need to get a uh, note this. to producers. Yeah. Let's get the bullet mic. Thank but the you. crazy <laughs> thing was, we. so next thing you know, like, T everyone thought that I was lying to each side. Like, T-Bone had never met Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear had never met T-Bone. None of you guys even, like, and we, I, it was since, 2000. I look at my phone, 2016, 
17, yeah. 18. Yeah. And then we get to 2000, the beginning of 19, and I go, well, we better figure out what to do with this album. And in and around mid, I think it was 18, we get the call that Bob Dylan is agreeing to give us some music that we can work with. Yeah. And I remember you coming to my office and plunking the sheet in front of you, and because you know, much like Baron Banjo, there's like the very authentic Pooh Bear, and then there's the carnival, you know, P.T. Barnum, Jingle Jared, and I place these lyrics in front of me, he goes, Dylan wrote these? <laughs> I'm like, these, this could be from anybody. Anybody! Like, yeah. yeah. You just type Bob Dylan's name. You weren't 100% sure, were you? The- Hell no, bro. Like, <laughs> like, these words came from Bob Dylan. How long did it take for you to get those lyrics and turn it into what the song became? Oh, no, I... I don't know, 10 minutes? 20 minutes. 20, 15 minutes. And then I said, are we done? And he goes, he always, when he finishes the song, he goes, yeah, we're done. <laughs> and I was like, are you certain? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, if you, some people want to fuck with something a thousand different ways, but when it's good, it doesn't take more than 15, 20 minutes. No, yeah. that's It's the opposite in my world. Like, it's, I'm working on something for a long time. It usually sucks. Yeah. So the faster the, the faster we feel it and get it out there. Well, out of, the out of all the songs in this podcast, how long do you guys think it took you to make the record in its oh. entirety? I mean, honestly, like if time wasn't a factor, um, we would get together basically every Saturday and just write a song for twenty minutes. That was it. But it was like a four year experience of it was twenty four, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> little things like we didn't. And I am so paranoid because I always think things have to come out now. They have to come out. And I sat with T-Bone, and I'm not a patient guy. Like, I went from Jingle Jared, like, 2008 to building a business that we sold. So I'm used to things happening quick. And I remember being in a real mental funk about this whole thing, being like, when when should I put it out? And T-Bone goes, oh, you could put it out in, like, next week. You could put it out in four years. You could put it out in 20 years. He's like, it's just good. Like, that's all that matters. It's just good. And I was like, but I really want it to come out. He goes, well, that's the worst way to think about it. You shouldn't really think about it being like coming out now. Just think about coming out when it's ready. I got a question for for Pooh Bear about music in general. You know, there's a timeless element to a lot of the stuff you guys are mentioning in the podcast. You know, you're working with Bob Dylan. You're working with T-Bone Burnett. You know, and in your history, you've worked with incredible artists. Would you say you find a difference in working in the Americana space versus working in the previous spaces you worked as far as like longevity and the way music moves now versus the way it used to work back in the day? Um, I just feel like everything's different but the same. Um, it, at the end of the day, the song has to be amazing. The hook has to be hooky and it has to be simple and effective. And so for the different genres, it just it was just way more exciting doing, you know, Americana just because it's something that me coming from my culture and my, and my race, you know, it's kind of like, as a kid, it was looked at looked at as not being that cool, you know, to listen to that or be into that. So, to be able to to have that, and you know, really in the '90s, sneaking and listening to Third Eye Blind and Oasis and Nirvana, and like just sneaking it, like hearing that stuff, it it made me like, oh, I would love to do something like that. And then years and years later, our fantasy band, you know, I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, I could do that shit right now, you know, and Really, but at the same time, doing a fantasy band is still like we're still sensitive, you know. Still, we still don't want it to just be whatever, even though it's a fantasy band. 
it's still like our, our passion, you know, and our art. And to be honest, a lot of the stories that ended up being part of the fantasy story, you know, that is our backstory, everything in the podcast, if you really know the weird things that Pooh Bear and I have done, We've shown up at Pro Bowl riding in MAGA country where, like, a Jewish guy from <laughs> Toronto, Pooh Bear, shows up. And he's like, what the fuck is this? Like, Yo, we need to get the hell we, out of here right now. We, yeah. we, went, to, uh, we went to France yeah. where we've been to uh, the Marlins. Like, all these little things that are written into the story in the last episode, which I won't give away. Essentially, Pooh Bear's story from his documentary, like, when I saw – the Red Bull doc that the people who directed and produced it created about him. I, I didn't know anything about Pooh Bear's life except for the fact that he made amazing music. We had a lot of fun together and we hung out. And then when I saw that, I was so moved by some of the things that had actually happened in his life that got him to where he was that like most people don't know much about people who work in music and what it takes to tell stories. But you are, you know, it's, you're at least 20 years into the business, more. 23. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you were writing songs, you know. Had I known any of this stuff before we actually got together, I probably would have approached the our first meeting with a bit more caution and come with a bit more <laughs> with an engineer and, and maybe an idea. No, but, but nobody cares. But, um, you know, the fact that I've been able to do all this cool stuff with Pooh Bear um, and write it into the fiction of what we're doing, I think that's what people have reacted to because, uh, you know, it's the first time I've ever done a podcast. I'm certain it's the first time you've ever done a podcast. Yeah. And I wanted it to come in at a level where there was some level of, you know, entertainment with the music, some level of education with I love musical history and I overthink things. But Pooh Bear naturally understands the blues and folk music. Those things don't have to be explained to him. It's like I pick up a guitar and go, Oh, you know, one, three, five, and all of a sudden there's this complex melody over it. But I think that that is why T-Bone reacted to it the way he has. I think that's the why, the reason why Dylan got involved in this. And I think that's the reason why, you know, we're sitting next to Dolly Parton and the White Stripes and other very serious that's musical crazy. ideas right now. Yeah. If, if this keeps going on, which looks like it will, you got a season two, a season three. Tell me what you see happening next and what you who you would like to collaborate with, like dream collaborators as far as like taking it down the line, if there's anybody. I really feel like a cool thing would be able to, to work with people who, you know, the greats that aren't here anymore. That's cool. It's Seriously. It's, it's special to be able to hear what type of vocals we can get our hands on, you know, that, that, that yeah. haven't been heard. Just some recordings. Yeah, you're hearing a lot of stuff now come out. I mean, it happened when when Pac and and Biggie, when they passed away, like all of a sudden these other records were coming out remixed by artists of the day, kind of to fit the sound that was coming out at that time. Mm-hmm. Could be an interesting concept to take those same kind of songs that maybe might not have hit the public the way they wanted at the time and taking a fresh approach to them now. You know, like yeah. something like that be kind Remixing. of cool. Remixing. It'd be fun. We're almost remixing culture because it's not even about the music. We're just... In history, inserting ourselves into Sister Rosetta Tharp, Little Richard, Ronnie Hawkins, and just picking parts of, of history apart. And I, you know, when we were talking with Dennis Quaid today, the the whole concept for me really made sense when I started watching this Ken Burns documentary about uh, country music. And you'd see a photo of like twenty people, and all of a sudden they keep pulling back, 
and there's two people there that aren't supposed to be there that aren't from that time or that place. And that's what Baron Banjo are. They just show up. I've seen those pictures. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen and those it's like pictures. an alien is like in the thing waving or no, some no, guy no. on an iPhone on a in phone, the 1950s. On a phone. You know, I've seen like, that in the 20s. But oh, yeah, that, that girl that, walking to the movie on the phone. Like, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. That's kind of what yeah. the thing is. It's like we're talking. There's a little bit of like. Uh, is that us? Quantum leap. That's about it. Baron Banjo, we're quantum leaping. And uh, it's fun writing about it because song. you can nerd right out on yeah. history, but also lie to people about what actually happened in history. <laughs> I know we're kind of getting limited on time. I want to ask both of you guys, because, Jared, you play the lead actor really in this besides Dennis uh, Banjo. You have a big part of it. You're narrating it. You're like guiding us through. Pooh Bear, your character is a little less involved. How did that come about, and were you comfortable or uncomfortable with like the acting part of the whole thing. Um, you know what? I was comfortable with it just because it's really not a real band, and so I just wasn't nervous. And just because I look at it like that, and that way I don't I protect myself and protect my feelings, you know. And um, so it allowed me to be myself, and I'm bare. And just add, a, you know, with a little, it was fun, man. It was really like pretending. I didn't get a chance as a kid to really pretend much. I wasn't into toys. So now that I have a kid, you know, it was kind of, it's kind of cool to pretend yeah. as an adult. And it was, I wanted to make sure that the Pooh Bear or the Bear character was also very mysterious where he solves problems through the music and he comes with good advice. It's almost like a fable. And my voice, again, to protect myself and, the levels of masking of the story. I just, I love Bob Dylan. I know that throughout his career, he's used several voices to sing and mm -hmm. actually speak throughout his and, career. And rap. He's and every now, he'd really, and he's if you listen to his uh, mm -hmm. uh, Nobel Prize speech, he really is speaking like a. <laughs> Like a blackjack dealer from Kansas City in the the fifties, like, hey, that's when I was ran away from home when I was a Connie. Like, it's all made up. It's there's nothing that's real. So it's right, like right. if you're truly in the thirties, forties, and fifties with me and uh, Bear Banjo would be this big liar who's adapting to every environment he's in, like Zelig. So I was like, I'm just gonna go with that voice I heard him do. <laughs> That's the one. And, and and I said to Dennis, I was very insecure, and I was like, what do you think? He goes, it's perfectly moronic for what it is that Jay Banjo is, which is he's a big liar. Yeah, it's, and he's, it's perfect. It his, sounds great. Yeah, and, he, and he, his voice could change if he was hanging around British people. It might change if he's hanging around Canadians. Right, right, but, right, uh, right, right. Madonna like, did that too, right? <laughs> Who? Madonna. She'd come out all the Madonna like, is British now. We all, you know, cheers. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> record is amazing. <laughs> I think as people get richer, they become British sometimes. Yeah, man. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't got it yet. Five years from now, who was like, "Hello, hello, mate. Yeah. Hello, mate. Good British. on you." <laughs> well, thank you guys so much, uh, Baron and Banjo. This has been a little special. I actually, have one last question before we wrap. What would you say is the weirdest thing that's happened since you've known me in terms of like the craziest the story? Thing? This interview, maybe? Because I know what it is. I don't know if you remember the weirdest thing that ever happened. Um, I would probably just say your suit. That is the, that's one of the weirder things. What would you, what would you say? I, that place in Atlanta you took me to. Oh, the Blue Flame. The Blue Flame. Yeah. 
um, that was a culture shock for you. That really was. Yeah. I think I walked in and I didn't have enough information to know I that I should I have been freaked out. Are there poles involved in the blue flame? I know I always, yes. I never know anything that's happened. I'm Dude, like kind of like my place. first day on earth every day. So I didn't know at the time, but that place was, that place was pretty hard. But full circle, much like when I met Pooh Bear, I didn't Google him till the next morning. I didn't Google Blue Flame till the next morning. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, where did you take me to? Start Google. Because everything <laughs> that came under the Google was death. murder, <laughs> yeah, murder, death, death kill yeah. you, shooting. Yeah, yeah. But it was really, I found it to be very hospitable. Everyone was really nice to me. <laughs> well, yeah, that they must have thought I was the head of the, nice the, the cartel. You were wearing the bear and banjo the, suit? No, I just walked no. in like dressed like a oh, yeah, cowboy like hat off for yeah. sure. That was a lot of fun. Like, the bear and banjo suit has pretty much, it deserves a podcast of its own. <laughs> yes, for uh, sure. If anyone hasn't seen it, go take a look at any of the press kits or any of the stories yeah. online. You know, any visuals, you're going to see it. Yeah. Google image that. <laughs> yeah. See what Jared commissioned for this uh, band and this this show, which, you know, we're all enjoying, and I thank you guys for sitting down with us here and thank you talking more. You Thanks know? for having us, man. Thank you. Blue Pooh. Flame address for anyone interested in Atlanta oh, is uh, man. just no. Google it. Just you'll, you'll Google that. No. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's, a, that's a true fictional story. They're going to sponsor season two. By the way, don't wear a Yankee hat in there either. No, I did that. That's oh, what no. I was wearing, and someone was like, "You better take that off." I'm like, "Yep." Taking it off. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Jared, Gustav, Pooh Bear, continued success, Bear and Banjo. Keep listening. Keep uh, downloading. Tell your friends. Share. Get on social media. Promote it. Make it happen. And get prepared for the final episode, which is going to blow everyone away, especially when you hear what we've been cooking up in the studio. And uh, thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, that was my conversation with Dennis Quaid and Pooh Bear, and I hope that you enjoyed. We greatly appreciate you tuning in and following us on our Bear and a Banjo musical and story journey. You can find all the songs and the music discussed wherever you stream your music under Bear and a Banjo. We're going to play for you two songs that have not come out from the podcast just yet, but these are previews of our collaboration with Bob Dylan. And next week's episode is a very special one because Zach Brown is going to remix one of the songs from the soundtrack and release it as a single. These are a preview of those songs. Thank you again so much. We hope you enjoy.
enjoyed this episode and if you dig the music from our soundtrack you can stream it anywhere you get music and at the iheart app the remix of can you hear me now features zach brown on vocals alongside baron a banjo this song will be available as a special single from our soundtrack november 8th across all platforms oh and if you dig the series please share with your friends and make sure to give us a five-star review on the apple podcast app I've got a chauffeur Picture take him on a show, yeah In a hurry, no, we ain't 